Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. This is why we come. This is why we gather. As much as we love one another and we love this family and as much as we enjoy being together, we come because we want to collectively step into the presence of the Lord. Amen? We come because the scripture teaches us that there is something very powerful and special about when people get together in the name of Jesus. Amen. That there is something that can take place. And I believe we have experienced that already here today. And I just thank the Lord for that. And I thank you for being here. I want to take us to an old story. The Old Testament. That is amazing on a variety of levels. No doubt at some point in your life you have heard parts of this encounter. But sometimes it is the simplest lessons that can be missed or overlooked because the Bible is wonderfully simple and complex at the same time. I don't say complex as in the difficulty of it. It's just that you can dig into any story in the scriptures, even the ones you think you know the best. If you dig into it again, it always seems like that there is a bottomless ability to learn something new. Amen. In fact, you can look at the Bible at different stages of life and learn something new. You can read the same story as a child and as a teen, as a young adult. You can read the same story as an elder and get something different from it. It is the power of the Word of God. It is the wonder of the Word of God that yet, even today, it still speaks to us. What kind of a book is this that even today it can still speak with clarity and truth and powerful? How can God's Word somehow understand where we're still at? How can something that was written so long ago still be able to speak clearly to the situations we find ourselves in right now? That's because the Word of God is alive and it's powerful. And it's an ever-present help in time of trouble. How many are thankful for the Word of God being evident and present in our lives? We find ourselves in this story When God brings Israel to the very border of Canaan, when he took them just a few steps as it were compared to the whole journey from Egypt and now to their land of promise. And as they are standing there gazing from what seems to be a conceivably safe distance, we read in Numbers the 13th chapter, one and two, where it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, 
every one a ruler among them. Immediately after this, the scripture begins to list each man that is going to go on this journey. Each is a leader amongst their tribes that are picked to go. Twelve verses are given to a comprehensive list of who has been chosen. Twelve men representing twelve tribes that make up the Israelite people. They were supposed to be the leaders of the people. The Bible calls them rulers among the people. And they are picked and they do go. And they become known as spies that go to search out the land of promise. This land that has been named Canaan. But we may have missed in the reading of the beginning of this. It's exactly the same thing that they seem to have missed as the story begins to unfold in front of us. Because before Moses started organizing the team, before Moses started picking out the leaders of each tribe, before Moses starts to give them direction over where to go and how to go and what to look for, before Moses does any of these things, we find that God has already spoken very clearly. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Which I give unto the children of Israel. It's not God saying, I would like to give this to you. I want to give this to you. I think if it all works out, maybe I can give this unto you. Or I hope to give this unto you. God declares at the very beginning of this journey that I have already given this land unto the children of Israel. I want you to go look at what I've already given you. I want you to go look at what I've already promised and I've already put it into your hands. As they are leaving, Moses mentions to them, as they are walking away from the people, he mentions to them in Numbers 13 and 20, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. I want to talk to us about the God of the grapes today. I want to talk to us about what God is trying to do in this situation. Amen. Uh, we see there that he says when you come back, uh, the come back and bring the fruit of the land. Moses says, look guys, uh, I know you're going to go for a while. I know you're going to see a bunch of amazing things. Uh, I know you're going to witness some stuff. Uh, that maybe you've never witnessed before because this is the promised land. This is what God has been bringing us to this whole time. But I want you to do me a favor. I want you to bring some of the fruit of the land back with you. 
It was going to be helpful because it's going to serve as an illustration of God's provision. I need all of the rest of the people to see what you saw. I need all of the rest of the people to be able to touch and witness and perhaps even taste what you have witnessed when you cross over into Canaan. So don't just look at the grapes and don't just eat the grapes yourself, but be sure to bring some grapes back for all your family members to see. I need an illustration. I need a testimony. I need something that people can look at and say, well, that is the miraculous provision of God. See, Moses, Moses is a good leader and Moses is a preacher, if you will. Moses understands the power of a faith-building illustration. He understands the power. He knows there are some cities that are left unconquered in Canaan. He knows they're going to be challenged in their faith as soon as they cross over the Jordan. He knows there are some days that are coming uh, that they're going to wonder what in the world uh, has God got us into. But he said, I need an illustration. I need them to see something. I need them to get their hands on something and visualize the power of God so that they can know uh, that this is what is coming in our future. This is what God has promised us. I wonder if there's anybody in the house today who is thankful for illustrations that you have in your life of what God is able to do. Oh, come on, somebody. We talk about it all the time, but maybe we should just look around the room a little bit. I'm glad to see Sister Janet Brom in the house of the Lord today, and I'm thankful that cancer didn't take her all those many years ago, but I've got an evidence. I've got an illustration. I'm thankful for Perry and Janet's restored marriage because it gives me faith that God can do anything in a marriage situation. I give glory to God for a Brother Herbs who recently shared his testimony our brother crane who shared their testimony about a life uh, where they were struggling and growing up in darkness uh, and addiction and familyness that that is bitterness and pain but god is able to bring people out and bring people through and show himself Come on, I'm thankful for a sister widower who's laying dying on a hospital table. But the warm hand of Jesus grabs a hold of her cold hand and she knows you're not alone. I haven't left thee. I haven't forsaken thee. Everything's going to be all right. I'm thankful, amen, for the mighty hand of God that has shown himself. We look around the room and we have illustration, if you will. We have grapes of what it is that God's provision power looks like. We have evidence sitting in the room of what it means when God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, but I will be with you always. We have evidence of what it looks like when we say you can call on the name of Jesus and the midnight hour and God is going to be oh come on I'm going to take a few more minutes and do this so you might as well do it with me because I woke up this morning thankful I woke up this morning full of gratitude and thankful for what the Lord 
Amen. We love all of the small family. We love every one of them that are connected to the small family. But I remember a day when Chris Small was driving by Highway 14 asking God, I need direction. I need you to help me. And God said, make a right turn. And he made a right turn right into our parking lot. And they're all in the house. Come on, somebody. None of us came in here perfect. None of us came in here whole. None of us came in here with everything figured out. But when we got in the presence of the Lord, we begin to see grapes. We begin to see grapes. If God can do it for them, he can do it for me. If God can turn their life around, he can turn my life around. If he can break me. He we got evidence of Brother Michael Mesa. Amen. Years of nicotine, nicotine addiction. But God comes in. God breaks the chains. God does what nobody else is able to do. He's the God of the grapes. He's the God of the grapes. He's the God that says, look, I have, I can show you. I can show you what I'm capable of doing. Hey Amen. He's a God of illustration. He's a God of power. He's a God of evidence. He does not just say, I love you. But he says, I so loved you that I gave my only begotten son. He doesn't just say, I love you. He says, this is how much I love you. The only reason we have any evidence of what love is today is because of Calvary. The only reason why we can even understand love is because of Calvary. We would have no ability to comprehend true love. But when we say greater love hath no man than this, then when he will lay his life down for his friends, when we understand Calvary's cross, he's a God that says, let me show you. You don't just have to take my word for it. I opened up by talking about the word, and the word is powerful, and the word is present. But God says, look, my book is alive, and my book is real, and my book helps you right now. You don't have to just believe some old story from 2,000 years ago you're sitting amongst the grapes you're sitting in the presence of the almighty God with testimonies all around you and so I'm asking a simple question if you walked in here with a problem if you walked in here with difficulty if you walked in here with sickness do you believe that God is still able to do for you what he has done for those around you do you believe that God is still able to change the situation for you like he's changed it for the situation of those around you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I can't help but think often, amen, Sister Carrie and George and Sister Krista, the whole family. You know the testimony. Everybody knows the testimony. If you don't know the testimony, you need to hear the testimony. You need to hear what Sister Carrie's childhood was like. And you need to understand how this stuff happens in a life and how it can get into a family tree and how it can just keep multiplying itself and just continue to just cause destruction and pain and heartache and addiction. But then suddenly God comes in. God comes in. And you know what I love about God? I, I, I'm, 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 
I'm all for, I love the idea. People say, I'm going to be the one that changes my, my family trajectory. I'm going to be the one that changes it, and that's awesome. But let me tell you about God. God is not limited to what is, hasn't happened yet. When you say, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand, I'm going to do something for the Lord right now, that brings something into your family. And what it brings into your family is not just for future generations. It can go back. I said it can go back. You say, well, I, I want my children to be different than my parents were. Well, why don't you get yourself right with God? And that will help your children. But when you get yourself right with God, it can also help your parents. I, I, I was talking to a preacher friend yesterday. I was talking to a preacher friend yesterday. He was, he was uh, uh, telling me about this speaker that he's like, man, if you ever have an opportunity to use this guy, you should use him. And we were talking about him. Sounds like a great evangelist and, and anointed of God. And he says, yeah, he, he's a first-generation Pentecostal who calls himself a third-generation Pentecostal. Oh, I said, well, I'm going to need a little context. He said he was the first one in his entire family to get in church. But one by one, he had won his parents, and then he won his grandparents. He's baptized them. They've all been filled with the Holy Ghost. So he was the first one to get in. But he says, I'm actually a third-generation Pentecostal because they're all in now, too. Oh, come on. We're talking about a God who knows the ending from the beginning. We're talking about the Alpha and the Omega. We're talking about the mighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Evidence. There are grapes. There is evidence. Babies that were supposed to be born with birth defects and struggles and God did miracles. Evidence of teenagers that should not have survived the car accidents, but they're still with us today. Evidence of single parents that by God's grace are raising wonderful children. Evidence, hallelujah, all around us of what God is able to do. Moses said, you're going to see some amazing things. And you might fill your belly with the grapes of Canaan, but make sure you bring back some grapes because I got all these other people over here that we're still on the wilderness side. We're still in the wilderness. We haven't crossed over yet. We don't know what's exactly coming. And I need them to see what's waiting on them. If they'll just have a little bit of faith in God. Bring some grapes back with you. Somebody may be thinking right now, well, that, preacher, I'd like some evidence that that story is even true. How do we know that this isn't some fairy tale added to some modern version of the Bible? Well, it may help you to know today that the picture I chose to use as my title slide is actually a mosaic that archaeologists unearthed in 2018 in a 1,600-year-old synagogue in northern Israel. 1,600 years ago, they built a synagogue in northern Israel that archaeologists are now just uncovering, and it's full as they clear off the years of earth and debris, they are finding mosaic after mosaic, and all of these mosaics are illustrations of stories 
of the miraculous power of God. So I guess I could tell you at least it was still true 1,600 years ago. And those people 1,600 years ago in their synagogue thought it was important to tell the story that I'm telling you right now. 1,600 years ago, they thought, you know what would be nice? Is if we could put up an illustration for people to see that would remind them of the power of God. And somebody spoke up and said, why don't we tell the story about when the spies went into Canaan and they had to come back carrying the grapes. Why don't we tell the story about the fruit? Mm. And so they go and spy out the land and they do what Moses says. And they come to the brook Eshkol, Numbers 13, 23, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they bear it between two upon a staff and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. One cluster being carried on a staff by two grown men. That's how they walk back into the Israelite camp. One cluster of grapes being carried on a staff by two adult men. This is how they come walking back in to Israel's camp. I imagine the people felt about the same way that we all just felt when I began mentioning some of the illustrations and the grapes that sit in this room today. I imagine as I was telling those testimonies, even though you may have heard some of them before, many were rising to their feet, clapping their hands and shouting unto the Lord because it's evidence of the power of God, the presence of God. I imagine when those men came walking back into that camp with two men carrying one, <laughs> one little cluster of grapes or not so little. Joy, exuberance, encouragement, faith. This is going to be awesome. That's what we're going to get. We're going to get to live with that. We've been wandering around in the wilderness. We've come now to this point. We got here. He brought us out of Egypt, and now he brought us here. We're going to get to have that. This is going to be awesome. They're high-fiving one another. I feel like the high-five already existed probably. That seems like an early thing to me, kind of an early form of communication. High five. I don't know if they said high five, though. I don't know what they said. They're high five and one another, patting each other on their back, grabbing their kids. Look at that. Can you imagine? Kids, our eyes are big as saucers. Wow. This is going to be incredible. This is going to be wonderful. And all we got to do is just go into the land. We just have to do what God is telling us to do. That's it. We just got to do what God is telling us to do. We just have to be obedient to God. The spy is still carrying evidence of the power and the provision of God. 
still carrying illustration of the promise of God, say in Numbers 13, 26, 27, they went and they come to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Surely it floweth with milk and honey. That's all that's needed. We went, we saw, it's true. What more do you need? We went, we saw, it's true. Surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Where does this phrase, floweth with milk and honey, come from anyway? Isn't that an odd way to describe a location? It's not odd for them, no, because... God has been describing their future life and home in this way for a while now. When Israel was still just a slave people in Egypt with 430 years of reasons not to believe, 430 years of bondage, generations of reasons to not have faith that anything is ever going to change. When they were still in that predicament, God lights a bush on fire in the middle of the desert and he gets Moses' attention and he begins to speak from that bush to Moses and he says to him in Exodus 3 and 8, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And then God specifically tells Moses to gather the elders of Israel together at a later time. He tells him, this is some 10 verses later in Exodus 3. He tells him, gather the Israelite elders together and tell them, and I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. You're still in bondage. You're still slaves. You still have no control over your own lives. It's been this way for 400 in 30 years, but God says, tell them, I will bring you up out of your affliction under the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites. I will bring you up unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So God has been describing Canaan to them like this from the first time they hear about their deliverance. He's been telling them now for a while, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. There's a direction to your life. And there's an outcome. And it's going to be you will live and raise your children in a land flowing with milk and honey. Ten chapters later. God does miraculously deliver them and they walk away from their oppression into their freedom. And God begins to teach them things that will be a part of their future. While they are journeying to their land of promise, God begins to work on them and teach them. And he says in Exodus 13 and 5, And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Hallelujah. He says, now listen, while we're on this little journey here, when we get there, there's going to be some things. You're my people now. You're separated people. You're different from everyone else. And I'm going to give you your own land, and I'm going to bless it tremendously. And so I need you to understand how you're going to live and how you're going to raise your kids and how you're going to live your life. I need you to get some understanding because I'm bringing you to a land that flows with milk and honey. He does miracle after miracle on their journey. Miracle after miracle, and you can read all about them. Even though the Bible says at times they are a challenging and a rebellious people, he still tells them in Exodus 33, some 20 chapters later then, and the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Even when he's having to deal with a little bit of their obstinance and hard-headedness, even when he's trying to get them to have a new way of thinking after they've been raised in slavery, even after 430 years, there's some stuff inside them that he's going to have to work on a little bit. But even while he's doing that, he says, I made a promise to your fathers, and it applies to you as well. And I know the Canaanites are there, and the Jebusites are there, and the Hittites are there, but I'm going to run all of them out because I have something for you. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. This verbal illustration of a land flowing with milk and honey has been told to them repeatedly by God himself as a promise of what was to come. And now they are looking at these incredible grapes. These two men are holding this one cluster of grapes and everybody's just staring at these grapes. And one of the men holding the grapes or one of the spies with them says, we came unto the land whither you sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. It's true. Look at the grapes. This is evidence. We just saw the land that God has been promising us. From before we were delivered and while we were delivered and on our journey to Canaan, now we have actually seen the land flowing with milk and honey. Wow, they're saying those words out of their mouths and the fruit is there and everybody's looking at this amazing situation. One of the men says... Nevertheless, Numbers 13, 28, 29, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled, and they're very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Nevertheless, there's a whole, it's a strong land with a lot of people in it. Which people? 
Is it the same people that God's been telling you since you were still slaves that he was going to drive out? Is it the same list of people that you didn't even know existed, but God told you about them on your journey and said, I will drive them out of the land? Is that who you saw? Yeah, but they're strong, and they're big, and they're well-fortified. But isn't it the same people that God has already promised he would take care of? Isn't this just the same situation that God has already promised that he would take care of it for you? Yeah, but it's no more. I wasn't expecting it to be this hard and I didn't know it was going to be this difficult and I didn't realize it was going to be this complex and I don't know the answer, Pastor, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do next and I don't know. Isn't this the same situation God told you? You could trust him that he would take care of you. He would give you wisdom. He would give you direction. He would give you help. Isn't this the same kind of stuff that he's already promise you in his word that he would come through for you on that you didn't have to be able to do it all by yourself that you didn't have to walk alone isn't this the same stuff that God has already been saying for a long time if you'll just trust me it'll work out nevertheless they're strong they dwell in land and one man it cuts in he cuts in quickly and he tries to stop them and he interrupts and he begins to declare faith in verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. He jumps into the middle of the conversation. He says, stop talking. He tries to get everyone's attention now that faith has turned to fear and he says, no, let's go. Let's go. Let's go now. Look at the grapes. Look at the grapes. You heard what they said. It flows with milk and honey. Remember the promise of God. We can do this. Let's go. Let's go now. Don't think about it anymore. Don't talk about it anymore. Don't sleep on it. Don't make a pros and cons list. Don't try to figure it all out. Let's just go do it. God already said it's our land. But the men that went up with him said, We'd be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we are. And thus, we find in Numbers 14 and 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Weeping on the night that should have been about rejoicing. Cries of sorrow during the night that should have been filled with cries of victory. Sadness where gladness should have been. Sorrow where encouragement and fear where faith should have been. Because somebody said, I see the grapes and I saw the land flowing with milk and honey and I know God made all of the promises and I know everything's true but I'm going to choose instead to be afraid. I think it's not possible. They wept because they chose to believe the fear of the spies instead of the promises of God. And you and I are surrounded in this place right now. We are surrounded in this place by evidence of the miraculous power of God. 
sitting amongst us in the room is evidence of the miraculous power, protection, provision of God. He can heal and deliver, protect and provide, elevate. He can take a life and do what no one else thought was possible. He can take a trophy off of the devil's trophy shelf and turn it around and turn it into a testimony of the mercy and grace of the Almighty God. He can elevate someone who thought they would never do anything and never have any value and he can bring them to a place oh hallelujah where they become a light they become a witness they become an example of the goodness of God he can train them up <laughs> direct their steps heal their hurts close up their wounds fill them with his spirit and change everything. And yet, it is possible. And it is one of the saddest things about being a pastor or being anyone who attends church on a regular basis. It is possible that some will still discount this as just another church service. Just another Sunday just another couple hours in church. Just another day where nothing's going to change. Just going to do what I always do. I'm going to walk out the same way I walked in. Some may feel some faith. Your faith began to rise when I was calling out those testimonies earlier. Your faith began to rise when I was pointing out the grapes and the God of the grapes. You begin to feel something stir within you. You begin to feel something, some flicker of hope, possibility. You begin to wonder if maybe perhaps this was the day that something miraculous was going to happen in your life. And some felt that faith, but quickly turn to weeping and unbelief. Maybe it's the voice of Satan in your head telling you you're not enough. Maybe it's the voice of an unbeliever echoing in the halls of your head. They're not even here right now. They're just trying to hold you back and keep you down, kind of keep you where they are. Maybe it's your own voice that has decided that you just have to stay where you are and live in your current state forever and nothing's ever going to change and you've bought into your own lie. But I declare this truth to you today. You have a promise from God on your life. You were created in the image of God. You were created by God himself. You 
You are a creation of the almighty God, the highest creation of the almighty God. And he did not create you to be anything less than the fullness of what he has planned for your life. And maybe you have not lived up to that yet. And maybe you haven't seen it yet, but you are in the right place at the right time to be reminded by this preacher under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that there is a God in heaven who has his eye on you and has a plan for you and he's telling you even if you're still a slave in Egypt I'm bringing you to a land that flows with milk and honey stand with me all across the house and raise your hands unto the Lord hallelujah hallelujah I declare to someone in this house today that you are standing on the edge of your new life in Christ. You are standing right on the edge and there is evidence been brought to you of grapes. There's evidence of a land right in front of you that flows with milk and honey. There is evidence. There is evidence that it's all true and that God is ready to show you. And he's going to hear And he is going to respond to us when we call on him today. And he is ready to forgive anyone who would repent of their sins and call on his name today. And the baptism that is available to you today, baptism immersed in the water in the name of Jesus Christ will wash away every sin that you've ever committed in your life. If you'll take that step of faith, then he will fill you with his spirit. And he will give you power to overcome. And he will guide you and teach you and develop you. And make you more valuable than you ever could imagine. And give you more purpose than you ever thought possible. You're standing on the edge. And there's evidence all around. You can spend the night weeping or spend the night rejoicing. It has everything to do with whether you listen to the negative voice of distraction or if you'll tune your ear to the voice of the Almighty God and say, I believe in a land that flows with milk and honey. I believe in the God of the grapes. He Come on, somebody. Come on, the front of this building is open. This is where we come to pray. You're standing right on the edge. Will you step out? You're standing right on the edge of the promise. Don't believe the lie of the devil. Don't believe the negative report of the world. Don't listen to the voice of those that would hold you back. Believe in the voice of the Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week.